And so people need to really ask themselves, am I engaging in effective problem solving or, or am I engaging in kind of uh, obsessive rumination, obsessive thinking about uh, COVID where it's just leading to the same conclusions where uh, it's not really leading to any productive behaviours. Welcome to the Metagenics Clinical Podcast, where natural healthcare practitioners can hear innovative, cutting-edge information from leading experts from around the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Metagenics Clinical Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Rose, and today we're going to continue on looking at COVID-19, but with a different take. Today, we're going to explore the mental health implications of living through this pandemic. And to help navigate through this area, today we've got back for the third time, Dr. Adrian Lepresti. Welcome, Adrian. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So our last podcast, we dove into the, the pathophysiology around the virus and the implications there and some potential natural therapies. But now that we've sort of hit this holding pattern in Australia and the rest of the world, I think Australia is going relatively good looking at the latest statistics about preventing the spread. Now we're in this holding pattern, uh, this could be a long time in this uh, situation and it is a unique time where there's these stresses that are affecting us, which we probably haven't dealt with in our lifetimes. I mean, the last time there was a massive pandemic was 1918 and uh, yes, they had to lock down, but perhaps they didn't have that social contagion that's ripping through society of social media. So to help sort of get our heads around this and what it looks like and what we can do to maintain a healthy mindset during this time, we've got Adrian back. So Adrian, first of all, uh, you're still consulting patients. What's the mood like at the moment with your patients around COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, certainly our conversations uh, uh, involve a lot of discussion about COVID-19 and, and some of the anxieties and, and fears associated with it. So that's been a big part of our conversations more recently. Yeah, and is it more anxious about the future? Like with the this again is a unique time where say that we've had the bushfires sadly recently. There's often spot fires or tragedies that occur in isolated areas, and then there's the aftermath to, to look at. But this is obviously ongoing. So is it more anxiety looking forward, or is it the stress looking back? What's the the sort of mood there? Yeah, I think um, it's more future orientated. So it's all about the, you know, potentially the anxieties and, and pretty much the uncertainty about the future. And, and when there's uncertainty, that can kind of feed anxiety and fear. And, uh, and you know, we don't know what the, the future holds uh, for us. And, and, and that's where a lot of people can really struggle and uh, they can spend and a significant amount of time trying to understand what's going on, trying to predict what's going on, trying to control the world. But uh, And while that can be useful, it can also exacerbate kind of mental health. And we've seen that with, you know, the, the obsession with the toilet paper and, 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 grocery, and, and a lot of the grocery supplies and things like that. That's more about kind of control and uncertainty about the future. Yeah. So do you think that the needle sort of shifted, like anxious people become you know, more anxious and those who maybe were not prone to getting caught up in the, the worry, have they started to get you know, overly concerned about this as well? Is there a sort of global shift in our levels of anxiety? Yeah, definitely. I think there's certainly a greater skew towards um, everybody moving towards uh, 
greater levels of kind of heightened anxiety. Um, and obviously people who are more susceptible to it are probably going to struggle a little bit more. Um, and ultimately, uh, it really is about kind of how we cope and, and some of the thought patterns we have and, and behavioural patterns we have that can determine whether our fears get out of control or not. Yeah, so again, this is this unique to like your line of work or is this what I suppose you've you've been training for in a sense? Like is this stressor any different to any other uh, anxiety-promoting stimuli? And if so, or if not, um, what's the strategies we need to try and manage this? Well, I think it's different because it's so widespread. The, 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 you can't escape it. Uh, you know, it's constant, constantly on the news. It's, uh, you can't even listen to the radio uh, these days. I, you know, for myself, I've personally decided to just turn off the radio because you know, at times I just want to have a break. And uh, even being able to listen to the music, which you know, was a, a relaxing uh pleasurable experience now that it becomes more and more talk about about COVID-19 so it's really difficult to escape um, I think that is the, the the main thing here and there's all that uncertainty about will I catch the disease if I catch disease what will happen to me um, but then there's also uh, the uncertainty about the future and jobs and finances and the economy which can also um, exacerbate things for people too. Okay, so any tips and strategies, say, uh, yeah, probably two parts acutely, people may be getting worked up, understandably, and and also is there, a, sorry, a few questions here. There's eustress and de-stress, I presume a little bit of anxiety and worry is probably natural, but when it starts becoming problematic and maladaptive, what are some of the strategies we can start to think of doing uh, when we get maybe caught up with the, the data and the, the media discussion on COVID-19? Well, I think you make a good point then, Nathan, about kind of eustress and, and de-stress and, um, and distress. Um, and, you know, the eustress is a, is a positive thing. So we need some elements of, of anxiety there. And that, that can help us problem solve. That can help us uh, educate ourselves about the decisions we need to make and the uh, steps we need to, to take to put into place to protect ourselves and, and to plan for the future. So that's, that's really positive when it leads to problem solving. But the problem is that when it leads to excessive obsession, rumination, you know, constant thinking about it, uh, you know, regularly re- reading the news, regularly uh, having the, you know, the news on all the time, regularly reading social media posts about often conflicting uh, information, that's when it becomes unhelpful. And so people need to really ask themselves, am I engaging in effective problem solving or am I engaging in kind of obsessive rumination, obsessive thinking about uh, COVID where it's just leading to the same conclusions where uh, it's not relating to any productive behaviours? All right, so, yeah, what are some of the short-term, maybe long-term strategies like the, the news-free days sound ex- sort of extreme in this day and age, but when I think more about it, like, yeah, there's probably no surprises now we've got into this holding pattern that, unfortunately, people are getting disease and many are falling ill. Yeah, can you wean yourself off it? What's your suggestions there, first and foremost, with the, the information? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, having corona-free news days um, would be 
uh, an option could be an option for many people for them to, to maybe go, look, I'm just going to check up on the news every second day and have a break uh, from watching any social media, watching any news. Um, if people can't do that, then set limits on it. So if, if you're going to check the news, do it in the morning, um, preferably not bef- at night before you're going to go to sleep and uh, set a limit on it. So I'm going to, this is what I'm going to, this is the website or, or information source that I'm going to derive my information from. Stick to that, uh, put a limit on it, uh, and then once it's done, uh, turn it off for the rest of the day. So that nice. would be. Yeah. And again, this is where I think integrative medicine or you know, sort of holistic sort of look at looking at these areas can be really helpful. Can we still apply all the common sense uh, advice we use in integrative medicine about you know general health and well-being and exercise, et cetera? Particularly, in, obviously, in this day of uh, self-isolation, what things above and beyond can we do for our mental health that still you think is relevant for this uh, can, uh, during COVID nineteen at the moment? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's the integrative approach, integrative approach that we uh, need to really consider. Obviously, exercise, and, and um, I know the, the gyms are now closed. So, for many people, they're not going to the gyms, tennis clubs, or fitness clubs are closed. But how can people incorporate um, more exercise into their into their daily routine? And whether that be um, more nature based activity, which we know is really good. Uh, to reduce our stress response, reduce cortisol levels, it's anti-inflammatory. So maybe kind of spending more time outdoors in nature where there's not many people around. Uh, there's your, your, your YouTube exercise routines and things like that that, that people can do um, from home. So I think that's something that, that a lot of people can do. I mean, the, the issue that we've also got is that obviously we, it's really important for us to engage in social distancing. Um, on the reverse side of that, the problem is that we know that social isolation can affect our, our mental health and we know that we are social beings and uh, and being around people uh, can be really good for our mental health. And even, you know, there's research showing that social isolation leads to increased inflammation and, and affects our immune response and, and increase results in people more socially isolated with greater kind of pro-inflammatory gene expressions and things like that. So that's where we got to, we've got to really work at that balance. So... While having being you know engaging in social distancing is really important, how can we ensure we're still maintaining connection with people, whether that be online, um, whether that we you know in the people within our home, you know how do we spend more time with them? How do we have more quality time with them? Um, you know, for example, you know the other day I've got teenage kids and we you know they were bored, so we actually played you know board a board game, uh, something that was yeah. quite foreign to them and and. and <laughs> Cards and things like that, a card game, and and that was really uh, when our quality time was was fast is is was really far superior there. So, um, how do we optimize our social interaction, whether it be online or people in the home, because uh, we know that that's really really important. Mm, yeah, really critical. Likewise, there's other factors uh, like sleep. Mm-hmm. What's your? Does sleep become even more important now in this day and age of social isolation and uh, concern about immune activity or um, immune competence? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we know sleep has a has a huge impact on both our physical and mental health. So, uh, and while being anxious can uh, 
have an adverse effect on our sleep, we need to make sure that we're doing all the things that we can do to ensure that, uh, you know, all the, all the right sleep hygiene things to ensure that our sleep is optimised as best we can. Um, and my concern, I mean, I was thinking the other day, actually, when it comes to, uh, you know, people, your know, hospital staff and, and medical staff who are who are dealing with the you know, COVID patients, um, you know, the, the lack of sleep that they're having. You know, we're talking about providing them with masks and sanitation, but um, sanitization and things like that. But but what, what's happening for them in terms of their sleep? Are we supporting them? Are we are they ensuring that they're on, uh, you know, getting shifts where they uh, can ensure that they have good sleep? Are they being provided with healthy, nutritious meals while they're at work? Is that happening at all? Is anything being done to enhance their immune response? And I haven't heard anything about that at all. Are they after a shift? Can they go to a stress management or a meditation class to just unwind after a shift? Because we know that things like meditation and stress management can affect our positively affect our immune response. I haven't heard any of that at all. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point because some of them, thankfully, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, the, the hospital system's overburdened here mm. in Australia at the moment. But certainly in the US, where we do have a, a lot of listeners, uh, they're doing 14-hour shifts is my understanding over there and, and you know, those bright lights, et cetera, which is obviously necessary while they're on on duty. But, yeah, to be able to switch off, you know, they've got to get home and switch off and get some sleep, which may be really fragile. So, yeah, I was going to ask because also for, for these frontline workers, I wonder is there a more uh, is there an, a different sort of mental health concern with those guys? Not so much worrying about the future, but the present, and you know, could there be PTSD, etc., from dealing with all these people? You know, potentially in ICU and on the ventilators, and sadly passing away. So, what's your thoughts around yeah the frontline workers there? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm I'm not aware of particularly the environment that, that they're experiencing, but it certainly sounds uh, in the US and Europe that it is a very difficult. So I suspect, yes, certainly things like PTSD um, may be a real possibility that's going to occur there. So, um, you know, I just I think we need to ensure that there's a, a good push to, ins- to make sure that the frontline workers are being supported and if, you know, prevention's the key. You know, so how, what can we do? For ourselves, so this all this applies. We're talking about frontline workers, but also it also applies for ourselves. Are we uh, eating well and, and providing ourselves with nutritious food that can help enhance our immune response or, or support our immune response? Um, are we engaged in exercise? Are we sleeping well? Uh, are we uh, limiting our exposure to negative information, which we know is going to trigger our HPA response, increasing our cortisol and our adrenaline levels? Um, so, are we? doing things that are soothing, calming and immune modulating uh, and they're the things that we need to really think about. Yeah. Onto a different cohort, uh, children and, and you've got young teenagers, um, they're obviously not immune to the news depending on their age, etc. and they can obviously um, get caught up in it all. Any sort of thoughts or tips or strategies about what, what we say to our, our children and how we uh, provide them with information to get a handle on this? Yeah, it's, it's again all the same things that I've just really spoken about. It's, you know, are, are they, how much time are they spending uh, on social media uh, learning about and reading about uh, the coronavirus? Um, are they engaging in self-care? Are they, I know for my kids, they're, they're not at school at the moment, so they're indoors, you know. 
And we know that sunlight is extremely important for them. So are they going outdoors and getting some sunlight? Uh, are they? Are we modelling appropriate behaviours too? Because obviously, you know, we our children will, will, will feed off us. So are we constantly talking about uh, about the virus? And, I mean, I talked about corona-free news days. I think there should also be corona-free discussion days too, or, you know, where you limit the amount of discussion about it. Uh, in my house, uh, I remember the other day I spoke to a family member who came in. I said, enough. Uh, there's no more discussion. Let's talk about something else. You know, what, what did we used to talk about before this happened? And let's go back to talking about that stuff. And if there are people um, who, uh, you know, who are alarmists and negative people, do you limit the amount of time that you spend around those people? And do you try to move towards people who are more uplifting, who are contagiously positive? Because uh, we know that, that we'll, we will feed off that. So who we spend time with uh, is also something that we need to consider. Yeah, great points. Now, what about, um, this is certainly not my domain, but mindset and uh, philosophy. I've heard a few discussions around stoicism and this idea of like your circle of control versus a circle of concern. (laughs) Have you got some overarching views on this, any sort of uh, advice or models that may be helpful in um, COVID-19? Um, I look, I mean, again, it's not, it's not my uh, particular area of expertise either, but uh, I think in terms of uh, what's going on, um, you know, what is it, yeah, you know, it allows us, it can potentially allow us to reflect on our, uh, on our life and, uh, and if we're spending time at home, uh, what, can we, what can we learn uh, from what we're experiencing? Is there any changes that, that we can make to our lifestyle, to uh, the, the things that we do, to our work, um, to our workplace, to our work practices, and, and this allows potentially allows people to reflect on some of that, um, and maybe change some of the work model, maybe change some of the way that they spend their own time, and, and maybe change the amount of time, uh, the priorities around family and 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 work and things like that. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point there. I think there's. Obviously, people are doing really tough, but also this opportunity to, to look for these silver linings and, um, yeah, the, the benefits of working from home in terms of more time with the family and exercise, but also that I have noticed myself, like, just being less busy, like, you run around a lot with different for work and for children, et cetera, and um, there's nothing, nowhere to go, nothing to do. And probably the other thing I've noticed is there's no FOMO to have because nobody else is doing anything else either, so... It is a really good opportunity to, to, to sit and perhaps look at your life or look at uh, new goals or old goals and, and reflect. So, yeah, um, as I said, I'm not an expert, but that's one thing that's really struck me is this ability that you can pull some positives from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, this is opportunity for people to engage in, in education um, uh, to, to complete that course that they always thought that they never had time to do, uh, to listen to podcasts uh, that can help enhance their skills either at work or, or, self-develop, or self, self-development skills or, or workplace um, practices skills. Uh, there's obviously plenty of uh, podcasts and things on, on you know, that you guys have done at Metagenics that uh, maybe people need to kind of go back and, and revisit and learn. And, and yeah, we know that if... If you have something else to engage with, 
you're going to spend less time focusing on the negative. So you, pe- people often say, just don't think about it. Well, that's very difficult to do, to just not think about it. And the reality is if you tell somebody not to think about something, it's more likely they will think about it. So the question is, what else do you have to focus on? Is there something else that, that can draw your attention? And uh, if you love natural medicine, if you love um, learning about health and, and things like that, so maybe this is an opportune time to move your focus away from the negative and move yourself, move your focus towards uh, self-education and, and various other things. That's a good point about the, the bandwidth people have, yeah, um, about worrying about things if you've got something else to, to focus on and it might be a good segue to talk about uh, exercises and practices that, that promote being in the moment or m- mindfulness. Um, you know, there's physical things like doing exercise, um, whether it's high intensity or low intensity or yoga, those times when you don't have the real luxury, if you want to call it that, to, to be worrying about the future if you're trying to hold some tough yoga pose or you're doing a heavy squat or something. Uh, what else just to go through the spectrum of, of possibilities and tools and being creative. Um, yeah, as you said, like with YouTube and online, there's all these tutorials that you can still do exercise. But what about some of the, the more, I don't know, gentler or stiller practices of meditation and other areas that you might want to, you can rattle off that people could consider to, to engage in? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the meditation, uh, if that's something that people, uh, you know, people talk a lot about meditation and mindfulness and they talk about it uh, in yeah, it, it, they talk about doing it, but whether they actually do it is another thing. So this is an opportunity for people who are at home um, to maybe actually learn it, to, to kind of master the skill a little bit. Um, you know, it, it does take uh, regular practice to learn meditation, to learn relaxation and, you know, things like progressive muscle relaxation and autogenic exercise. You know, you really do need to, um, they are skills and to develop a skill, you do need to practice it. So maybe that might be something that people do who don't n- n- normally do meditation, maybe they can start learning it and, uh, and, and practice doing that. Um, obviously, uh, there's, you know, you, you, people, you're reading, um, reading books and, and, and things like that, that you, people who, you know, who may have never read a book or haven't read a fiction book for a long time, maybe they can pick one up and read it and realise uh, what they were missing because they never had time to do it. Uh, so that's something that, that definitely people could do. Um, and, again, it's it's important to determine, to look at what it is you're picking up to read. Is it something that's uplifting, soothing, pleasurable, or is it something that's going to bring you down? So even for people who, uh, you know, have a, have faith and uh, in God and, and, and read the Bible, you know, what verses are you reading? Are you reading those doom and gloom verses or are you reading those that more... Uh, positive verses, uh, things like that. That can be something uh, there. Um, what else is there? I suppose, you know, you mentioned obviously exercise and uh, exercise uh, needs to be engaging enough uh, to help us move our focus away from from what's going on in our life. And I know for me, if I'm doing uh, high-intensity training, uh, I'm too busy worried about where I'm going to get my next breath so I can survive <laughs> to worry about anything else. So uh, yeah. that's a good way to kind of um, distract you from what's going on. Um, uh, Perfect. So they're, they're the top things here. Yeah. Are there, um, we can use not so much social media, or perhaps we can, but we can use technology to our advantages here. 
any apps that you know of that you recommend for your clients, whether it's mindfulness-based ones uh, for exercise or to help soothe anxiety, any, any ones with like that gamification that can be really engaging and help really promote um, being in the moment? Oh, look, I generally, what I'll try to get people to do is to um, to go onto their phone and just type in meditation or, st- or stress management or relaxation and just download a whole bunch of apps um, and try them out because, uh, you know, most of them are free. So you try them out and see which one kind of resonates with you most. Uh, I like a lot. I mean, personally, I like, you know, more your breathing paces and your breathing apps and things like that. They can help me focus on my breath. Um, but some people don't like that. Some people... Uh, you know, I can I've recommended meditation exercises for people to do, and they go, "Look, that, I found that voice really annoying, or that person spoke too much." Uh, so, to just download a um, whole bunch, try them out, uh, work out which ones kind of resonate with you, and then uh, and then stick with that. Yeah, good advice. All right, now let's move on to an area where you've spent a lot of time in the research is looking at nutraceuticals, herbals, vitamins and minerals to help with uh, mood states. So, again, do the same um, suspects come up with dealing with this COVID anxiety and stress? What are some of your go-to as your first sort of port of call thoughts about uh, supplementation? Yeah, I think the good thing is that a lot of those the supplements that uh, – you know, the mood-boosting, mood-supporting supplements, mental health-supporting supplements are also immune modulators, and which is a really good thing. Mm. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. So, um, you know, certainly things like your fish oils and things like that, we know are, are really good. Um, your magnesium, um, we know that that can affect our yeah, inflammation plus also be quite beneficial on our, on our mood and be quite calming. So they're, they're all really good. And then obviously you have your things like where I've done a lot of research is your curcumin and your saffron, which again uh, may help support mood, but also um, we know that they can affect our, our immune response too. So, and then you've got all your adaptogens, which again, you know, are, are really helpful. You know, your euthania and your ginsengs and things like that can also uh, be beneficial for people. Um, maybe a bit of a personal question and test your mental resilience. Um, I suspect there's going to be a bit of a vacuum in research over the next 12 to 18 months. Were you, what were you currently doing? Has that been disturbed and how are you coping with that? Um, look, it really depends on, on the research. So I've been fortunate with the next couple of studies that I'm doing uh, or that don't require in-person um, contact. So uh, a lot of the evaluation questionnaires and things like that are completed online. So the only real delay I've had is being able to get the supplements uh, for the, or the tablets for the studies. But uh, so I've still got a couple of studies um, that are, uh, well, I've got one menopause, one I'm looking at um, a saffron uh, and a saffron extract for menopause. Uh, and that's just started. Um, and we've been able to recruit for that because it's been done at home. I've got another one where we're looking at uh, an echinacea extract for stress. Uh, again, so you've got your echinacea, which we know is mm. has your immune-enhancing effects, immune-supporting effects, and here um, we're also looking at its effect on, on stress levels. So, and they're online, so I'm able to do that. But there's, if there's personal contact, um, I think uh, there's, and which there is a couple of my studies that are, 
are coming up, which there's going to be a delay in being able to, to start those. Okay. All right. Now I want to move on to some more practical areas as well. So, and this can affect obviously mental health is the change in in work um, situation. Many people working from home. If those are you know lucky enough to to still have their job and can transition to to home, it's got some benefits, but it's also a change dynamic. So, a couple of questions. Firstly, on the person. Uh, any suggestions about um, getting into a rhythm at home? And then I'll ask about how that may impact the, the family. So first of all, the, the person, any um, yeah suggestions about routine and, and rhythm they should really be mindful of? Oh, look, I think uh, with it comes to uh, routine, it's really important that people uh, try to establish a new routine. You know, I think it's really we, we generally do better when we have a routine, a consistency, waking up at a particular time, going to bed at a particular time, uh, going to work at a particular time, eating lunch at a particular time. You know, that consistency um, can help just maintain predictability and things like that for us. So uh, I, I really, like with a lot of my clients, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get them to actually develop a bit of a timetable uh, for themselves. So, uh, And we actually do get a bit of a – we actually pull out a, a – a sheet with the different days and times and we schedule in uh, things that they're going to, to do uh, during those different times. So um, uh, so I'd encourage people to, to get a diary uh, and uh, allocate certain things that they can do at different times, wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time, uh, when can they fit in their exercise, when if they're going to learn a meditation, when can they do that? If they're going to learn a language, uh, when do they allocate that into there? I mean, that's another thing that's... Uh, I've been thinking of working on sharpening my Italian skills and maybe that's something I need to, to kind of uh, uh, work on and, and incorporate that in, a, in my routine too. So um, if, you're st- if you're stuck, get out a piece of paper and, uh, and really allocate uh, some different tasks to do during the day. And what about during the um, day I've noticed myself being from a big office, you tend to accumulate steps, not as many as I'd like, but going to the kitchen and the bathroom in some distance, I have noticed that you can be quite sedentary really easily mm-hmm. because of the the, the, short, the small area working in. Uh, what comes to mind in terms of just practicalities and, and yeah, trying to maintain a, a, a balance there? Uh, so you mean in terms of being more active or...? Yeah, yeah, just being – well, anything to be mindful of. Like, as I said, I, I find that yeah, you can sit for far longer than you typically do and, you, you know, I'm not walking to the, the bus stop now and et cetera, things like that, like those inter- inter- pieces of incidental activity or also probably not engaging with people as much. You know, you can't just walk a few pods across and and whether it's, you know, just chit-chat or work-related uh, discussion, that's obviously diminished a lot, so – I think, yeah, are there any active things we have to put into place that sort of occurred naturally? Yeah, definitely. I think if, um, you know, that's where people need to kind of reflect on, on on what they were doing previously and how things have changed for them. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm, I've always got a smartwatch on my, on my, uh, on my hand and I'm, I'm a bit uh, obsessive with uh, steps 
Uh, so uh, I use that to kind of guide my behaviour and, and I set goals uh, for uh, uh, that I need to meet to ensure I, get, I increase my or maintain my activity. And if that works for somebody, they, that, I think that's important for them to do. And again, if they're if they're being more sedentary, you know, when do they incorporate more activity during their day? Do they have breaks during the day? I mean, and even things like uh, if, if people are working from home, what does their workspace look like? Mm. Um, you know, is that set up appropriately? Uh, have they got is their desk near a window? Um, or have they just put themselves in a in a room which just has no natural light? Um, you know, can they modify that? Because you know, there's plenty of research. There's, there's not plenty, but there's some research that shows that work work um, work or workers who sit near a window have lower levels of cortisol, higher levels of melatonin at night. So uh, have a look at the work environment or the, the workplace. Um, and, you know, have you got pictures up? Have you got music? You know, those types of things, colours and things like that are really, really important. Uh, smells, you know, are we using, are you using properly, you know, the aromatherapy and, and those types of things that help soothe uh, the body. And, uh, and that's simple. That's not, that doesn't require any significant effort. Um, and, uh, and we have now control over that. Obviously, if, if you're putting in lavender um, at work and, annoying people because they don't like lavender um you now have control over that you can choose the smells you can choose the music that you can play you can choose whether you open a window or don't open a window and there was all those restrictions previously um that we had to consider other people now if we're if we're in a room on our own we can now set up our room to suit us and our personality that's great advice um a couple things that we've found so far is having like a skype meeting make sure you turn your cameras on so you can get you know more of a normal experience, if you want to call it that. We have daily uh, virtual huddles where the team meets and let's just chit-chat all the important things like married at first sight and those things, what's happening the night before, uh, <laughs> to keep on top of those things. But um, that really does help with the engagement and keep feeling connected. Now, just wanted to move on a bit more broadly to the the work life and Dynamics, say, with the family, etc. A, a challenge can be to demarcate work versus home because it's just a through the, the doorway, um, and you're back in with um, partners or children, etc. Uh, two parts: like, what are some of the things to be mindful of that could be problematic in terms of relationships, and also, I think there is this ability to probably do more work and not be able to, you know, differentiate between work and home. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Nathan. I think that, uh, you know, those are the things that need to be considered uh, from the outset. You know, uh, if you are working from home, um, you know, what hours do you work? When when is uh, when does work start? When does work finish? When do you have lunch breaks? Uh, those things that really need to be considered. Um, and obviously now with kids at home, uh, how do you kind of manage that? And that just requires um, people to just really sit down and, and think about uh about those, uh, have a discussion with their partner uh, so that, that they can kind of come up with, with some agreements around that because, yeah, potentially, yeah, people could work more or less uh, from home. It really depends on on their personality and, and, and things are going on for them. So uh, they're the things that people certainly need to consider. Yeah, great. So I 
hearing, yeah, really important to have a routine. I know there's some who talk about this sort of third space between uh, work and home. You know, people naturally get that, say, in the car driving home from work, that time where you can sort of defrag or uh, process things. Perhaps it's a matter of as soon as you finish work, go for it. Well, as soon as you finish work, go for a walk or do some sort of activity as a, a buffer before you engage with the family. Good, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, yeah, that could be, uh, you know, that may be something that people do when they find that, that, that time back home is that time that they unwind before they get home. And, yeah, so, yeah, if that's the case, then, uh, you know, what can they do now uh, from from home? Do they go for a walk and do those types of things? Yeah. All right, now I just want to cast our eye to the future and uh, just as much as it's hard to predict the future in terms of modelling with the virus and spread and who's going to, how many is going to catch it and uh, the case fatality rate. I'm also very cautious to, to make any bold statements about the future, but uh, just, I'm curious on your thoughts. I've been wondering about over these next few months, which I suspect will be in this holding pattern, as I said, Australia it seems to be going relatively well in terms of flattening the curve. And again, if you get onto social media, there's different views about, um, you know, is, is this sort of overplayed because it's just like a flu and blah, blah, blah. And I won't get into all that. But my thoughts are a couple. Um, could there be sort of this sort of resentment because we're doing so well? And could that lead to people? you know, relaxing their, their views and thoughts about social isolation and going out. Um, so, yeah, so basically resentment and complacency. Any, yeah, what's your sort of thoughts on if we sort of grind through this, what are some of the potential red flags that could occur? Yeah, I think there is that, that um, potential of uh of resentment and I mean the, the problem you do have is that uh, you know obviously there's all these predictions about how widespread the disease is going to be and then uh, and then if we engage in social distancing and and it doesn't become as widespread as we predicted it to be then was it because of the social distancing or was it because the models were wrong and then if people are believing that the models are wrong then they're going to be far more likely to uh, to kind of not practice uh, continued social distancing. So it, it becomes a dilemma. So there is that, that that balance that I think, you know, the government needs, needs to make between um, placing restrictions or, or putting boundaries but then not making it overly restrictive where then results in resent, resentment for people. And I don't know what that balance is. So it's going to be something that's going to be really difficult and something they're going to have to really think about because there's going to be a point where, um, you know, if like in Perth, for example, you know, we're getting maybe, you know, 10 to 20 new cases a day, which is which is not a lot. Um, so I suspect there are some people who are really questioning, well, why are all these restrictions in place given the fact that there's only 10 to 20 people uh, develop, uh, get new cases every day? Uh, so this is, I don't know, this is where the education and um Needs to come into play, and uh, and I think um, you know people need to really, or the government needs to uh, employ the services of you know kind of behaviour change specialists and people who can kind of support them in, in that decision making. Yeah, thanks. It's yeah, as I said, the, the future is hard to predict, but mm. yeah, I think that's a great idea about that. Just the education, it's you can't really sort of set behaviours for the future, but being mindful of yeah 
why we're doing this uh, when times are getting tough or when times actually, as I said, seem like it's over-restrictive. We need to continue to understand why we're doing this and play the long game. All right, so... Um, yeah, I think that's the the main areas we want to cover. You got any updates on your research you were doing? Anything you can disclose that you, um, you're up to over the past? I don't know. We, we caught up about six months ago. Um, yeah, I've, uh, what have I done? I've just published a uh, study on uh, a saffron extract called Afron for sleep. So. Uh, which came up really positive in terms of the results. So that's just been published. So uh, in that study, we looked at the effects of um, of Afron uh, for over 30 days and looked at it in people who were, who were experiencing self-reported disturbed sleep, and we saw some really positive changes in, in that. So potentially we now have uh, Saffron as, uh, as, a, as a potential sleep-enhancing plus mood-enhancing option, and maybe it works uh, Via its sleep enhancing effects, partly we don't know, but uh, but that was really positive. Uh, and I've just completed uh, two studies looking at uh, curcumin extract on uh, IBS related symptoms and uh, and the microbiome, its effect on the microbiome. Um, mm. But uh, the which looks the results are positive, uh, but we we're still in the process of writing that up and and uh, publishing that. So. Uh, they're really interesting things. And, uh, you know, that microbiome, you know, obviously the research and, and the attention about the gut-brain connection and the impact on our, of our gut and our, and our whole body is, is just gaining more and more momentum. And uh, it was interesting, I, I just I read a research the other day that looked at, uh, you know, things that obviously affect our microbial, my, microbial diversity. And, uh, and, and one of the things was actually uh, close relationships that we have. So people with... Uh, who live in a who are married or, or um, and have a close relationship, they have a far greater diversity and richness in their microbiota compared to people who are married and don't have that closeness. So, uh, so hopefully, people who are at home spending time with their partner have a really good relationship with their partner, so it's going to help their immune response. And if not, then maybe that's something, you know, is that something that people need to dedicate more attention towards? Is there relationships? And uh, is that something that they've neglected? And can they do things to increase the quality of the relationship with their partner? Yeah, yeah, very good point. All right, and before we finish off, um, for those who don't know, which we should have done the introduction, um, tell us about your PI therapy, what tools you got available, yeah, what your basically offering to um, practitioners? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly I've uh, you know, created a PI therapy called Personalised Integrated Therapy, which looks at all those different factors that can affect our mental health, being diet, exercise, sleep, um, obviously our coping skills, um, you know, identifying medical factors or physiological factors that can affect our, our mental health. So very uh you know, looking at all those different variables rather than just as a, as a psych, clinical psychologist, we generally just kind of work, concentrate on, on thoughts and coping skills, um, but really trying to widen that uh, to get people to think about, um, you know, the whole gamut of factors that can affect our mental health, which I know that I'm, you know, preaching to the converted here. So, um, but uh, we've actually, actually, I haven't mentioned that, is we actually did a trial on PI therapy, a small 
a small study on PI therapy, uh, looking at it was a one day workshop that we uh, uh, conducted. So one group of people went to a PI therapy uh, workshop. Um, another group of uh, people with depression and anxiety attended a PI therapy plus supplements workshop. Uh, and there was a whole range of supplements that was actually donated by you guys in, at Metagenics, which was, really, which was really great. And then the other group of people attended a CBT, Cognitive Behaviour Therapy Workshop, and we looked at, we followed them up over 12 weeks and looked at what impact uh, it had on their mental health, uh, on their sleep and things like that. And uh, just by attending that one-day workshop, and then uh, basically what then happened is every every couple of days they just got an email or a reminder just uh, you know, about some of the content that we covered, you know, make sure you, you t- pay attention to your diet, uh, you know, ensure you engage in good sleep hygiene, just the reminders that they got. Um, but just by attending that one-day workshop, we had significant improvement in their mental health and on average a 50% reduction in their depression and anxiety symptoms. Um, and it was at least as comparable to cognitive behaviour therapy and the uh, I don't know whether she'd be saying this yet. I haven't published it yet. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the results also indicated uh, real positive improvements in sleep in the ones taking the supplements. Uh, so it's up for, uh, it's at the moment being, it was submitted for publication. It's been at the journal for months and still sitting there, uh, which is extremely frustrating. But hopefully that will get published soon. Right, interesting, yeah, uh, and certainly this time is really a test of everybody's patience, and yeah, I think <laughs> it's testing yours uh, <laughs> even further. So, yeah, I look forward to hearing about that. That's very encouraging. All right, Adrian, I want to thank you. I feel there's plenty of little gems in there. I think, yeah, that one about um, having corona-free discussions, corona-free days, limiting um, social media use, but also reinforcing the fundamentals and basics that this disease isn't, pardon the pun, immune to the interventions that, well, at least the, from the psychological perspective, this this disease isn't immune to all the, the key elements we often talk about in functional medicine. And as is, as we've discussed, there may be more opportunity for people to exercise and, and pursue these hobbies and habits that is conducive to, to good mental health. So good to know that's uh, reassuring that in that front. So I wish you all the, the best over the next few months. Um, hope to catch up and talk about footy if it ever comes back on. But in the meantime, um, take care and thanks for your time. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Clinical Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up for our e-newsletter.